ladies and gentlemen, thank you for standing by. And welcome to the Beavis Systems Fiscal 2023 Second Quarter Results Call. All lines have been placed on mute to prevent any background noise. After the speaker's remarks, there will be a question and answer session. If you would like to ask a question during this time, please press star followed by the number one on your telephone keypad. If you would like to withdraw your question, again, press star one. Thank you. Atto Garrett, Senior Director of Investor Relations, you may begin your conference. Good afternoon and welcome to Viva's Fiscal 2023 Second Quarter Earnings Conference Call for the quarter ended July 31st, 2022. As a reminder, we posted prepared remarks on Viva's Investor Relations website just after 1 p.m. Pacific today. We hope you've had a chance to read them before the call. Today's call will be used primarily for Q&A. With me today for Q&A are Peter Gassner, our Chief Executive Officer, Paul Schawa, EVP Commercial Strategy, and Brent Bowman, our Chief Financial Officer. During the call, we may make forward-looking statements regarding trends, our strategies, and the anticipated performance of the business, including guidance regarding future financial results. These forward-looking statements will be based on our current views and expectations and are subject to various risks and uncertainties. Our actual results may differ materially. Please refer to the risk listed in our earnings release and the risk factors included in our most recent filing on Form 10-Q. Forward-looking statements made during the call are being made as of today, August 31st, 2022, based on the facts available to us today. If this call is replayed or viewed after today, the information presented during the call may not contain current or accurate information. Viva disclaims any obligation to update or revise any forward-looking statements. We may discuss our guidance on today's call, but we will not provide any further guidance or updates on our performance during the quarter unless we do so in a public forum. On the call, we may also discuss certain non-GAAP metrics that we believe aid in the understanding of our financial results. A reconciliation to comparable GAAP metrics can be found in today's earnings release and in the supplemental investor presentation, both of which are available on our website. With that, thank you for joining us, and I'll turn the call over to Peter. Thank you, Atto, and welcome everyone to the call. We had a solid Q2 with revenue ahead of our guidance and operating income at our guidance. Total revenue was $534 million, up 17% year-over-year, and subscription revenue was up 17% to $429 million. Non-GAAP operating income was $202 million, or 38%. We've revised our full-year revenue guidance down by about 1.5% at the top end, from $2.175 billion to $2.145 billion due to foreign currency and macroeconomic factors. We executed well in the quarter. Hiring was good, our innovation engine is working well, and our customer relationships continue to get stronger as we have more solutions to offer and each of our solutions gets better. Our competitive landscape and product strategy also have never been stronger. We continue to track ahead of our goal to cross $3 billion in revenue in 2025 and have planted seeds for a long runway of growth well into the future. We'll now open up the call to your questions. At this time, if you would like to ask a question, please press star followed by the number one on your telephone keypad. Your first question comes from Kenneth Wong with Oppenheimer. Your line is open. Fantastic. Thanks for taking my questions. Uh, I've got one for Peter and then a follow-up for Brent. Peter, you mentioned you know, drug pricing legislation in, in your prepared remarks, and 
you know, I, I realize it's a while away, but would just love to get your take on maybe where that could impact the industry. Is it more on the commercial side where maybe pricing causes more headcount reductions, or is it on the clinical side where perhaps the kind of the, the, the opportunity looks less attractive and we see less investments in that area? Would would love to love to get your take on that. Uh, yeah, on the drug pricing, you know, first, uh, to put it in perspective, this is specific to the U.S., you know, and that's, that's a big part of life sciences, but um, certainly not the whole part of it. And then it has to do with Medicaid, um, which is, you know, roughly about half of the U.S., um, and it doesn't have to do with private insurance. And it's about the top X drugs, um, and, it, and it gets implemented in 2026. So it's too early to, to say how it plays out over the long term. In the short and medium term, you know, it's steady as she goes. There's no, there's no changes. And we just have to see how this works out over the long term. And you had a follow-up question for Paul as well? Uh, no, follow-up for Brent. Uh, Brent, when I, when I look at the, the guidance, um, I guess I just wanted to get a sense for kind of what you mentioned headwinds in the pipeline in June. You know, how did that look exiting July? Did that stabilize? And then when, when thinking about the guidance, are you assuming that it, it worsens or kind of stays at the, the current levels? Yeah, so um, so we, so thanks, Ken. So, yeah, in June we started to see um, some of the macro factors uh, play in, and, and that continued in July uh, at, at a similar pace. Uh, if you take a step back, you know, from a revenue guide perspective, you know, we're, we're growing revenue 18% after normalizing for FX, so we're pretty happy about that. Um, and if you unpack, you know, the, the reduction, about half of the reduction is related to FX, so the dollars continue to strengthen over the last 90 days. Um, the other half relates to the overall macro dynamics. Um, so, you know, specifically, it's, impa it's impacting commercial a bit more. Um, we've seen some impact to CrossX as advertising budgets have have tightened a bit, and we've also saw a little bit of lower add-on users from SMB customers um, in the CRM and bulk commercial. We want to point out that um, R&D um, has not really been impacted by the macro. You know, most of the R&D products are, you know, they're not priced uh, on a per unit basis per user. They're priced more on an enterprise agreement. So really no long-term change in the overall business or the competitive environment. You know, what we've seen in the change in our guidance reflects specific FX impact and macro environment. Got it. Perfect. Thank you for the color. Yep. Your next question comes from the line of Brad Sills with Bank of America. Your line is open. Oh, great. Thank, thanks so much for taking my questions. Um, I, I wanted to ask about, um, you know, one, one on just some of the activity you saw this quarter and then another one on the macro, please. Maybe just to start, um, you know, in quality in particular, it stands out. 52 wins this quarter. Um, you know, and it sounds like R&D is holding strong despite the macro. Um, what would you say the footprint looks like for those initial wins? Are they starting small, and this could potentially uh, lead to some bigger upsell deals down the road? Is it kind of quality first wins, if you will, that, that could potentially lead to bigger add-on deals? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll take that one. It's really a variety in the quality area across those customers. So the big picture, what, what's happening is, we picked a good product strategy uh, a number of years ago to have a, a suite of quality products all on a common platform. So quality docs, QMS, training, and now we've introduced the LIMS, the Laboratory Information Management. We've announced that. 
So we're really the only company that has that integrated suite of products. And then we have a good account coverage as well. And, uh, you know, we're just executing. So, yeah, it starts, it can be a small biotech that the only thing they need from us at, at the very beginning might be quality, or it can be a new customer that's an established customer that just happens to be starting in one of our product areas in quality, and then they're going to add multiple product areas in quality. Or it could be a, a customer where quality is the first area and it's going to lead into clinical and regulatory and others. So I would say it's an even mix across all three, and it, and it goes across segments, enterprise, SMB, pre-commercial, goes over into med tech as well. That's great. Thanks, Peter. And then, Brent, one for you, if I may, please, just on the guide for billings, 9% growth, it looks like, uh, for Q3, a pretty pretty meaningful deceleration. Could you just help us unpack you know, currency versus macro in there, and then just within the macro, it sounds like you're not assuming, or you didn't, you haven't seen R&D uh, impacted here as more commercial side. Is that what you're assuming kind of uh, in your guidance going forward? Thank you. Yeah, I don't recognize the nine percent. Um, I, I can I can talk to the to the numbers that that we have. Uh, I believe in a, in a, on a constant currency basis, uh, you know, we're we're guiding closer to seventeen percent um, for for billings in in Q3. But what we're seeing is the billings, the, the reduction in the second half has really been a factor of two things. One is FX similar to revenue, as well as the macro. On the on the billing side, about a third. Uh, is related to FX, again, to the strengthening dollar. Um, and then the, the balance is related to, um, you know, predominantly commercial again. So we talked about the cross six piece a, a second ago and some lighter in uptick in, in number of user add-ons. R&D remains strong. So, you know, we're happy overall with this, the strength of the business and guiding 18% billings on a, you know, uh, adjusted uh, for for FX and billing term changes. Thanks so much, Brent. Yep, thank you. Your next question comes from Rishi Jaluria with RBC Capital Markets. Your line is open. Oh, wonderful. Uh, thanks so much for taking my question. Um, first, I wanted to start out by, by, by just better understanding kind of some of the puts and takes of, of, of the guidance in the back half of the year, because if we take guidance at face value right now, be it billings or subscription revenue, the, the idea of reacceleration in the back half of the year seems to be off the table for now. Is that the right way to think about it, you know, longer term, or, or is there still kind of a, a, a scenario where we can see overall subscription growth reaccelerate above 20%? I'm not asking for, for uh, guidance for next year. I know you'll provide that uh, next quarter, but maybe just how we should be thinking about the potential for reacceleration, and then I've got a follow-up. Yeah, so FX, you know, Rishi, is, it definitely had an impact. Uh, we, we, we called out slight acceleration, um, expectation and revenue. Uh, in the prior guide, and and that um, has been challenged by the FX and the macro. The underlying business remains as strong as we thought 90 days ago. Um, so that is unchanged. The competitive environment it's it's in our favor as strong as, as ever. So I would I would think about it that way, and also think about the opportunity ahead. We're still early early days in a, in a broad opportunity across R and D uh, as we as we are you know the the operating system for dev cloud. And then in commercial, we have a lot of opportunities as well, if you think about data cloud and link and the like. So um, a lot of growth opportunities uh, to, in front of us. Okay, got it. That's, that, that, that's helpful. Um, and, and then maybe I just wanted to think about, you know, in, in, in the prepared remarks, 
you call out maybe some headwinds on the SMB side. I, I, I guess I'm a, I'm a little surprised to kind of see that, you know, just given, um, you know, how big your, your, your customers and how big this, they're spending with you is. Can you maybe help us understand directly how much of your business is what you would call SMB and, and, and how you're defining that, just so we can kind of better understand uh, uh, the model going forward, especially in this macro? Thank you. Yeah, sure, happy to. Maybe it'd be good to kind of take a step back. Um, so first off, I know pharma represents about 90% of Viva's overall revenue, with, uh, with the balance being MedTech and CPNC. And we think enterprise customers represent roughly 60% of our total pharma revenue. And, and we define enterprise as the top 50 or so um, largest pharma companies. So the balance of that is SMB, which is roughly 40% of the total pharma. And this is made up of a wide range of different customer types. You have small 100-person startup companies all the way to a billion dollars in revenue. So that's how we're defining it. And, and pre-commercial is a, is a small percentage of that. Got it. That's really helpful. Thank you. You bet. Your next question comes from Saket Kalia with Barclays. Your line is open. Okay, great. Hey, guys, thanks for taking my questions here. Um, Brent, maybe just to start out with you. Can, can we just talk a little bit about how the, the all-in Viva deals are, are playing into the SCUD? You know, I, I, you know in, in earlier quarters, I know that, that those were obviously very big and, and, and very complicated deals that, that take a while. Are we assuming longer sales cycles for those or, or lower, lower sizes? Just curious if you can tie those two things, the, the, the all-in Viva deals and, and, and the billings adjustment for the year. Yeah, no, happy to. So what we've seen is some increased deal scrutiny. So, you know, and that's, and that's on a deal-by-deal -deal basis. That could impact a various sizes of deals. So, um, you know, that's playing into the, our guide for the year. Um, and I think you're referring to a, a large deal we booked um, back in Q1. So, yeah, I wouldn't say there's anything significant changing large deals other than some general additional deal scrutiny. Got it. Got it. That's helpful. Peter, maybe for my follow-up for you, I was wondering if you could just dig into the CrossX business a little bit more. I mean, remind us kind of what are the bigger offerings there and, and sort of what's changed in, in sort of this, you know, you know this, uh, this downtick in the macro, if you will. Yeah, CrossX has a few different parts to it. It's all related to advertising. Some of it is measurement, how you're advertising going and some of it is more programmatic, which is you can buy audience for us, uh, from us, patient audiences. So there's there's a lot of details to the CrossX offering, but at the macro level, due to the macro environment, people spend a little bit less in advertising, and so that flows through to CrossX. I would say we're real bullish on CrossX going forward. Um, when we bought it about three years ago, the idea was to use it to develop data cloud but also to integrate CRM and CrossX so we can help the industry bring together sales and marketing. And that's, uh, that's really playing out. So we're, we're increasing our revenue in, in CrossX overall, and we're making it uh, a broader offering and even establishing a new type of pattern with some customers where a certain percentage of CrossX is done as an as a enterprise agreement, a, a baseline measurement agreement. Therefore, it'll be a little less variable as we go forward. But these these changes take a while to, to play out over time. Makes sense. Thanks, guys.
Thanks. Your next question comes from Keith Weiss with Morgan Stanley. Your line is open. Excellent. Thank you guys for, for taking the question. Um, I have one guidance question and one more more, more product question. I, I'm the guidance side of the equation. I mean, overall, XFX billings coming down by $35 million on a, a $2.3 billion base isn't huge. It's not, not, not a very big impact. And, and the question I've been getting more from investors isn't why are they taking numbers down. It's like, are they taking numbers down? Far enough is, is is the the forecast conservative enough? So maybe for Brent, I was, I was hoping you could um, help us garner confidence that this is the right cut that that that, that no more is going to be necessary on a go forward basis, and and give us some confidence that the numbers have been de-risked on a go forward basis. And then on the, the product side, I was wondering if we could dig into uh, data cloud a little bit. Um, and uh, are there frictions there that could potentially get um, uh, taken away uh, on a go-forward basis to sort of have that progress faster, um, or does it just take time to, to sort of get through, like, the network effects that the existing incumbents in that space have? Can you talk to us about, like, what can speed up or slow down progress with, with data cloud? Yeah, so let me take that first one, Keith. Yeah, so, you know, our consistent with our guidance philosophy, we you know, we take all the best information and give you the best view we have of the business today. Um, you know, and we have a broad portfolio of customers and products, and so we have, you know, pretty good visibility into our pipe at various stages. And, and we have active conversations with our customers. So we have a sense of the pacing of what they're looking for. So we've factored all that in, and we've considered, you know, FX, the current rates they're at. We've, we've factored in that there is some in increased deal scrutiny and also some lower spin in SMBs. So that was all informed in our guide for the year. Keith, I'll take the, the second part of your question around data cloud. So first, just uh, defining data cloud at the highest level. Uh, data cloud is open data, link, and compass. I think you may be referring to compass, but let me hit each of them really quickly. Open data is our customer reference data, steady grower. Uh, that's been around for a while. Uh, link, it, we announced that um, a number of years ago as one product, Link for Key People, that has really great momentum, momentum in the enterprise and the SMB. We also announced four additional link products, which are, um, are are getting, you know, they're all in the very early early stages with with early adopters, uh, but they're getting a lot of um, uh, of excitement because of the momentum we've created with that first link product. So, link family of applications that's doing that's doing really well. Um, and then the third area, which I think you may be referring to, uh, is driving additional speed is Compass. And Compass is uh, remember that's our patient data. That's what we launch first, and prescriber, and over time we'll have sales data in that area. We're really focused on the patient data side. Uh, think about the Compass, um, and, you know, Compass is really a, a marathon for us, right? We're in the very early stages uh, with patient data. Uh, it's progressing well. We had uh, four customer wins there. And the way to think about a customer win is they'll start with a brand, and that brand will have a couple of use cases, and they'll buy our data for those use cases. It could be something like defining the patient journey, understanding how to, how to treat patients. It may be finding more doctors uh, based on the patients that they treat. That's what they would use it for. We have to deliver customer success in those areas, and then once we deliver on that, we, we'll expand uh, within that brand team, maybe additional products, and then also across brands, selling new products to, to other brands in that company. So you can see it's kind of stepwise. It, it will take time for us, 
um, you know, there, there's, we're accelerating in that space. We're, we're highly focused on it. Um, you know, and, and um, you know, we, we think all the time about things about how we can, you know, kind of further accelerate in there, and, and we're executing on most of those. So I'm happy with the execution. Uh, it's going well. Um, but that gives you a sense of what's in data cloud. And all these feed on each other, right? All the products are connected together. So we're, we, we think we have the right product strategy, and uh, we're going to continue to execute there. Outstanding. Super helpful, guys. Thank you. Your next question comes from Gabriela Borges with Goldman Sachs. Your line is open. Hi, good afternoon. I just have Peter off of Brent. I'd love to revisit the trajectory of the core CRM business, the piece that's based on seat-based pricing. I know you've been pretty consistent in saying that new customer seats will more than offset rep reductions. Could you remind us, do you think we're through the largest headwind of the rep reduction dynamic? Does returning to in-person selling post-COVID help with this? How do we think about the structure of that specific piece of commercial going forward? Yep. So um, re regarding uh, the commercial pace, so we, we still believe that, you know, 10% uh, is the right uh, number over time. Um, we, we haven't seen anything that has changed that view, but we do expect to continue to take share. And as we take share that the impact of Viva will, in fact, be less overall. Uh, we feel good about, you know, our ability to continue to, to expand the footprint of, of CRM as well as our add-on business associated with it. Thank you. The follow-up is on CDMS. A couple of comments in the prepared remarks. I know there was a customer win announced in the quarter as well. Would love to get a little more detail. How should we think about the structure of CDMS and is there a scenario where that becomes a more significant, more material driver of growth, either in the next 12 months or perhaps in the next 24 months? Uh, I'll take that one. CDMS, uh, I would say really happy with the progress in the quarter. Um, and why do I say that? It's just the, the momentum, the, especially in the enterprise segment. The customer success with, the, with a couple of large enterprise customers we have and the progression of the sales cycle with some other enterprise customers gives me a lot of, gives me a lot of confidence. Um, you know, our goal there is to be the leader in that area over time, and I, I think we'll get there. Then that also leads into our digital trials, right? You have success in the, in the core CDMS area. There are other products adjacent to CDMS which is the, the ePro, you know, patient-reported outcomes, uh, that type of thing, the recently purchased uh, randomization and trial supply management as well. So there's a lot of adjacent things. So I couldn't be happier with our progress. And that, that one also, that one's like Compass. That one's a marathon, but we're, we're ahead of the game. I, I think most people would say he was going to win that race, it's too early to call that race for Compass because we're just getting started. So very different uh, Compass and CDMS. Thanks for the comments. Your next question comes from Dylan Becker with William Blair. Your line is open. Hey, guys. Thanks for taking the questions. Maybe, maybe first for Peter. I think there was something in the prepared remark um, relative to the growing number of customers with that vision for a unified platform. Uh, it, it's not something that's necessarily going to happen tonight, but obviously you guys are heavily embedded in that strategic discussion. So maybe can you talk about the progression of, of that uh, of that road roadmap, what the future adoption can look like, and how you can assign maybe some of the value with some of those earlier tools 
uh, to support that, that broader platform standardization over time? Uh, yeah, it's a good question. So big picture, you know, we're getting, we're getting more products and each of the products are getting better and we're fitting them together very nicely. And I, we saw that with DevCloud first where we about, oh, I guess six years ago, four years ago, we started really painting this big picture and now we're just executing on it, right? Just, just executing commercial. We're doing that now as well. We made a lot of progress this year. So we have good, stable, happy customers in CRM and in commercial content and, and we're leveraging that for success in these big new areas. Um, CrossX, Data Cloud, and actually our business consulting, which is our business consulting is going well. We started it three years ago, you know, and, and it's quite profitable and it has 150 people. So what we're seeing is our product strategy is right on the commercial side and on the R&D side, and we're executing well. I, I was really encouraged by this quarter because we're, we just executed well. And the macro environment actually helps us for the long term because during this time, there's a flight to quality with customers and with employees. So more rehires, more hires, getting more people, planting more seeds for future growth. Those things all, you know, they all ladder up to a more strategic relationship. When you have more excellent products, they fit together better, you just get more excellent relationships and the macro, you know, that, that happens. I've seen it a lot. I saw the, I'm one of those guys, right? I saw the dot-com boom and the dot-com bust. I even saw Y2K and that thing, you know, the financial crisis. And now we see COVID, right? COVID happened and then the overspending by government, the inflation, the correction, the war in Ukraine, et cetera. But you get through these things and it's really about, it's just about execution. Do you have the right blueprint of what you're doing? Can you stay focused? Can you execute with excellence in the product and the field? Then you do okay. So that's why you hear optimism from me, because I feel like, the, you know, we got a plan and it's working. Yeah, and maybe if we could we could follow up on that to a certain extent as well, too. You, you highlighted a lot of kind of the ongoing innovation, a number of new product announcements, and the strategic value of that, that business consulting segment, maybe to the point not where it, it drives decisioning today, uh, but, but relative to that the potential value capture. And maybe that is in an area of, of growing incremental reliance on, on Viva to say, hey, we, we want you to develop more of these kind of capabilities and solutions, obviously, to go out and, and capture more of the overall opportunity, but to, to continue to to expand and develop that, that market, speaking to your point on uh, on the long-term maybe favorability from, from what you guys are seeing today as well. Yeah, I, I agree with you. It, it kind of, business consulting is a, completes a, a picture for Viva, strategic discussions about, with our customers, how can they change their go-to-market emotion? And that leads into both being able to introduce our products, but also to influence our products because we have a very tight relationship between our consulting group, our product group, and our sales group. The feedback loop is very tight. And, you know, I don't, I don't know about every company in the world, that's for sure, but I don't know about any company that has this mix inside one company. And uh, it's really feeling good. Thanks, guys. Your next question comes from Kirk Matern with Evercore ISI. Your line is open. 
Yeah, thanks very much. Uh, one for Peter and one for Brent. I guess, Peter, just to start, you mentioned just a second ago that the macro actually might help you a little bit. I was just kind of curious on the R&D side. I know you haven't seen anything yet, but but is there any chance of reprioritization around certain products maybe moving up uh, the priority list for your customers in a tougher environment um, versus where they might have been in a more normalized environment? I know it's sort of a, a hard thing to guess that, but I was just kind of curious if you're seeing that perhaps at the top end of the funnel at all. And then, Brett, just on your comments about small businesses, are, are you referring specifically to some of your smaller biotech customers? I, you know, the reason I ask is I assume most of those are more R&D customers, not necessarily commercial customers. So I was just curious if you could clarify that a little bit. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, per, the first question there, I guess for sure in this environment, it's not great to be selling nice-to-have products, right? Those are the first to get you know, the downturn, and we don't have a lot of nice-to-have products. We have real foundational ones. So I would say, um, you know, things are looking good for us. The advertising, which is, you know, the CrossX-related business, that's required over the long term, but you can modulate it up up and down. Um, so our product footprint is more about building, it's building capabilities for the long term, not nice-to-haves. It's susceptible a little bit here when you when you have these hiccups in the macro, causes people to reassess a little bit. Okay, what's going on? But where you really don't want to be is in in nice to have products. That doesn't work well in this environment. Actually, can I just follow up on that? I was actually referring to your product portfolio, meaning I realize none of your products are going anywhere. <laughs> They're all foundational. Yeah. But I was wondering, even within your R and D product portfolio, are there things uh -huh. that might become more of an imperative in the short term versus versus others? That might not be the case, but I was just curious. Yeah, it's an excellent question. No, not really, um, because they're all they're all pretty foundational and they're they're in their areas. You know, if you're in safety, that's the most important thing to you. If you're in the clinical data management area, that's the most important thing to you. So there's no there's no particular boost or slowdown in, in any particular area. And then, Kirk, to your to your second question, um, you know, we we did see it. Um, some of the we talked about lower spending in SMBs, and that's more in the, the the lower half of that SMB definition that that I was describing before, because that SMB space is a very wide space. Uh, but our pre-commercial um, exposure is is really relatively small. No, thank you, Kurt. I was just I was just reflecting sure. on your question, Kurt, and give you a bonus answer here. Um, in terms of the products, it has more to do with just the natural cycles in the industry that which run longer than the temporary macro. So, for example, some of the best progress we've had in the last year is actually in our regulatory, in the upper end of the enterprise, in the regulatory area. And that's just a function of us having good products and customer success in the industry. Just it's a natural, we're, we're approaching that second replacement cycle. So it's it's more the natural rhythms rather than the, the macro. Thank you all. Your next question comes from Tyler Radke with City. Your line is open. Yes, thanks for taking the question. Um, I, I wanted to ask you just in terms of the linearity in the quarter, um, kind of how that tracked and, and when you started to notice the, the slowdown in your pipeline. And then um, just to follow up on Kirk's uh, question, I guess, you know, if we look at your 
R&D guidance for the full year. Um, it did come down slightly. I presume some of that was, was FX, but, but you also didn't take up the, the revenue guidance. So I guess, you know, are there certain portions of the, the R&D portfolio that are seeing deal delays, perhaps CDMS, where, where the deal sizes tend to be larger? Um, just, just help us understand the, the moving pieces there and, and any comments on linearity. Thank you. Yeah, so there's a, a few questions there. So on linearity, uh, we started to see uh, some of the impact in the later part of June. So um, so that was where we started to see a little bit of the headwinds from a lower spin in SMBs and a little bit of additional deal scrutiny. So the, the, the quarter started out um, a little bit more typical, and then we started to see that later in, in, in the month of June. And then related to R&D on a – on a, if you if you exclude the impact of FX on a full year basis, it's closer to 32% growth um, full year. So we're very pleased with what we're seeing from the momentum uh, in the R&D space. Now that they're not completely immune either to additional deal scrutiny. So if it's a large deal, um, there could be additional levels of, of approval and inspection on that. But we have not seen anything significant in the R&D space. Great, thank you. Your next question comes from Ryan McDonald with Needham & Company. Your line is open. All right. Thanks for taking my questions. Uh, maybe first, on the commercial side of the business, you know, we've recently in some of the checks, uh, as we're thinking about budgets for 20, calendar year 23, picked up that some budgets are starting to remain sort of static on a year-over-year basis for sales and marketing. Just curious if this is something that you're, a phenomenon you're seeing as well. And, and perhaps how does that impact how you're thinking about beyond back half of the year and into next year, uh, particularly on that commercial side of the business? Thanks. Yeah. Hey, Ryan, this is Paul. I, can you just repeat the specific phenomenon? I, it, it kind of broke up when you said that. What, do, what are you oh, seeing? Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So in some of our checks, we're starting to pick up that as we look at budget planning for sales and marketing uh, heading into next year, that budgets are are sort of remaining static rather than growing uh, on a year-over-year basis. And so as we, to put that in the context of, of sort of the guidance, updated guidance today, you know, how does, are you, one, are you seeing that? And two, what does that potentially say about, you know, the prolonging of any headwinds on the commercial side of the business? Thanks. Got it. Okay. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks for repeating that. Yeah, you know, we're we're most of the industries entering their budget planning cycle right now. So there's a lot of those conversations are kind of hitting full swing in most life sciences companies. And, and no, I, I have not heard or seen that yet. Um, you know, it, it's just, uh, again, like Peter talked about, a lot of what pharma does is, you know, these longer cycle, longer planning kinds of things. And, and we haven't seen any indication that budgets will be, uh, will be impacted next year. So we haven't heard that yet, um, you know, but but time will tell. Thanks. And maybe just a quick clarifying uh, question on the SMB uh, commentary. Are, are you seeing any churn at the SMB level, or is this more of a lack of expansion um, um, in spend at the SMB level? Thanks. Yeah, it's, it's mostly a, a lack of expansion. So the add-on of, you know, additional CRM users, add-on of Chromematch users. There is always some level of churn that happens. Uh, you, you don't see it, but, you know, companies get acquired, as one example, or companies go out of out of business, uh, or they go up or they go down. Uh, that is very natural. It's very common. It happens every single quarter. 
That was not unusual in this quarter. It was more what Brent had referenced earlier. Thanks for the color. Your next question comes from Jack Wallace with Guggenheim. Your line is open. Hey, uh, thanks for taking the questions. Um, got two of them for you. Um, and I realize we've collectively hit the, the guidance question um, pretty hard here. I just want to tease it from a different angle. Um, are there any geographic areas, um, maybe in particular the Eurozone, where decision-making is slowing more than others? Uh, and then I've got a follow-up. Yeah, we're not seeing anything particular in a specific geo that would it was worthy of calling out from a from a, an additional exposure perspective. Got it. Thank you. And then, um, you know, it's, it's a big hiring quarter. I've you know, called out on a couple of occasions that, um, you know, Viva's a good place to work and you know, potentially some of the smaller, previously faster-growing um, public or private uh, you know, companies may not be as attractive to you know, some of that talent. Um, you know, thinking about talent, um, you know, leaving and there being uh, multiple compression, uh, particularly in the in the private markets. Looking at your balance sheet, you've got nearly three billion in cash. Has the M and A pipeline picked up uh, much? Are we getting closer uh, to potentially um, doing a couple more deals? Uh, just thinking about capital deployment. Thanks. Uh, yeah, I'll take that one. Certainly, hiring environment is is better now than it was a year ago. In terms of M and A potential, yeah, when the valuations come down. Uh, and the speculation comes off a little bit, it, it is a more attractive M&A environment. And so we're, we're looking, but we're always patient. We have a, so far, 100% track record of success on our acquisitions. That, that's hard to do. Uh, so we're, we're a bit careful and, and surgical, but, but we're looking. And when you're looking, you might find something, but you don't know exactly when you'll find it. Thanks again. Your next question comes from Joe Vruink with Baird. Your line is open. Uh, great. Uh, hi, everyone. Uh, just to peel back the onion a little bit more on commercial performance, the uh, 17 million uh, lower subscription revenue guidance, most of that uh, seems to be coming in the second half. If I specifically apply that to what I imagine the CrossX revenue bases. It implies uh, a rather large change in CrossX performance. Is that directionally correct? And does it just speak to the extent of kind of ad budget changes that that business is seeing? Yeah, if you, if you, um, if you see, if you take a look at the reduction, um, half of it is FX related. And then you can kind of split the other balance between CrossX, which you called out. There was a little bit more pronounced uh, impact to the CrossX business. And then the balance would be more broadly. So I think your, your observation is, uh, is, is, is a good one. Okay, great. Um, and then I know we've, we've kind of asked this question a couple of different times, but um, based on, you know, your, your operating history and, and being through ebbs and flows in this industry, uh, does it stand out to you that there's specific areas of your business, you know, it seems like it's falling uh, exclusively in commercial that are getting caught up in the macro where, you know, R&D is, is forging ahead 32% organic uh, and the enterprise commercial solutions like align events, data, you know, those, those don't seem to be changing. 
Um, is that kind of in line with what you would expect to be resiliency or is there the potential that maybe those things just see effects but with a leg? So, you know, I think where we're seeing the impact today is, you know, as you mentioned, more on the commercial side where it's more user-based, um, uh, uh, you know, consumption. So that, that um, modulates a bit more in the macro. So, again, it was more pronounced in Crossix, and we saw it with some of our um, add-ons uh, business so that you know within the year, um, we haven't we haven't seen it on the R and D side on the on the longer term ELA type business. Um, those are longer, really strategic type deals, and the the, the um, they're less likely to be impacted. I would say over time. I would add it has to do with the maturity of the product as well. Crossix being a special case that can go up and down with the advertising. Um, you know, if we look at our very mature and, and high market share products like uh, promo mats, you know, the commercial content and CRM, that's where you're going to see it a little bit more. Um, you have to remember in these other growth areas where we're just getting started, so data cloud, uh, you know, including Link and Compass in there, business consulting, and then the R&D area, safety, CDMS, these new quality products. That's where... Um, it's mostly just about capturing new market share, right? And that's we're we're not as susceptible there, right? That's just the natural cycle of getting your early adopters live and happy, getting the value out there, and then and then capturing the market. That that area has more to do with the competitive environment than it has to do with the macro. Uh, thank you very much. As a reminder, if you would like to ask a question at this time, please press star followed by the number one on your telephone keypad. Your next question comes from Jessica Wong with Raymond James. Your line is open. Uh, hey, it's, it's Brian Peterson. Um, so, so, Brian, I just wanted to follow up on some earlier questions. I appreciate all the disclosure on the S&B business. But, but if we had to think about, you know, where you're seeing the most pronounced weakness there, is it actually with the larger end? of that SMB that are more commercial where there's a more pronounced impact? I'm just getting questions from investors because I think a lot of people thought maybe the SMB exposure was more R&D focused just given the pre-commercial nature. So I, like, I don't know if there's a way to split that out. I just I, I, I just want to make sure we're all clear and, and on the same page there. Yeah, hey, Brian. No, so uh, <clears throat> the exposure we're seeing is more on the commercial side, as we said before, and it's more on the lower end of the SMB space. Now, we still are seeing, um, like I said before, increased scrutiny on larger deals that cut across both commercial and R&D. But as far as the lower spending in SMB, that is more pronounced on the, on the, on the lower end and um, on the commercial side. Okay, yeah, and maybe just one last clarification. Any, any help on how Crossix is priced? Have you guys disclosed that? Just in terms of like the methodology? Yeah, we, don't, we don't really disclose that at a, at a detailed level. Um, it, we have multiple products in Crossex that are priced differently, but in general, they will they will follow the amount of advertising spend the customer does in general. So that's how that's the way you should think about that. Understood. Thank you. Thank you. There are no further questions in queue. I'd like to turn the call back to CEO Peter Gassner for closing remarks. All right, thank you everyone for joining the call today and thank you to our customers for your continued partnership and to the Viva team for your outstanding work in the quarter. Thank you.
This concludes today's